0: Cat and dog people, this is It's Training Cats and Dogs, your source of practical strategies to keep everyone in your multi species household safe and sane. I'm your host, Naomi Rotenberg, and today I'm bringing you one of my chats with a fellow pet professional about how they've used their expertise to manage the relationships between their own pets. I had a blast talking to Don Heiderscheich, who inadvertently added a reactive dog into a house with two cats who were already kind of iffy with each other. We talked about the major ups and downs that have happened over their five-year journey to integration. I'm happy to say they have made major strides, and it was so cool to talk through everything with her. I hope you enjoy. Dawn lives with her husband, Mark, their dog, and two cats in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Dawn runs a mobile outpatient therapy clinic where she provides occupational therapy in the home. Additionally, she moonlights as a dog trainer with Philly Unleashed. And began her training career once she found her passion for behavior modification for her work with her reactive dog, Odin, who we'll talk a lot about today. She learned quickly that the general principles of behavior and intervention span the species, and she was able to use her knowledge as an occupational therapist to help pets and humans navigate the world easier. Thank
1: you so much for talking to me, Don. I really look forward to it. I am so excited to chat with you. The interspecies between cats and dogs is just like so fascinating and so part of our life over here.
0: Yeah, let's jump right into it. I know you've had a lot of things that you've overcome with your pets. So, I guess for me, a little bit about their history, what's the cast of characters and what are they like as individuals?
1: Oh my gosh, we have um we have a very very interesting cast of characters and very large personalities, which I think, you know, we'll chat about more, I'm sure, but that has been part of our process. So, one of the cats is Gulliver. He's our original monster as I call him lovingly. I've had him. He's like 13 now. He has known me and my husband since the beginning of our relationship. So, it's kind of funny cuz all of our pets sort of mark different milestones in our in our relationship together. So, there's Gulliver, And he has always been lovingly referred to as the grumpy cat. In every living situation that I have ever been in, he's the grumpy cat because he is the epitome of (laughs) classical cat. Um, Then we have Molly. Molly came to us probably about four years ago. So she's come or four years into our relationship. So she's like around nine. And she was actually my husband's cat when we were not living together. So the two cats came together once we got married and moved in together. And I love her to pieces, but we once had a vet tell us that she may have been stuck in the birth canal just a little too long, which 100% explains why she used to walk in the walls when she was a kitten. I mean, she's just, she's so cute and she's kind of stupid. And I just love her. Like, she's so sweet. And then we have Odin, who we just got about five years ago. And I mean, he is the epitome of reactive dog, hot mess. So those are our three cast of characters trying to live together under one household.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So you had the original issue of introducing the cats who had been their own only children for a while. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: It's a lot. And I will say the cats never fully liked each other either. I mean, I'm looking at this now, 2020 um, hindsight, you know, I didn't quite realize how much they weren't even integrated together. Again, our grumpy cat Gulliver just kind of tolerates the younger one. And she's just kind of like a little dopey, that the two of them just kind of never really um, were friends either. I don't want to say that they hated each other, but there was definitely there's definitely been like resource guarding with them as well. And then we added the dog on top of it. And again, this was <laughs> all before I was a dog trainer. And I'm like, oh my God, we'll talk about it later. But there's so many things that I should have done differently.
0: <laughs> yes, we'll definitely talk about that. <laughs> Since you had the two cats who may or may not have been okay with each other, why did you decide to add Odin into the mix?
1: Yeah, we have always wanted a dog. Um, So Odin came to us when we purchased a house and we had told ourselves we won't get a dog until we can own a house so that that way we didn't have to worry about the renting and all of that because it was really tough even finding apartments for two cats. Um, And so we held off, we held off, but me and my husband always knew we wanted a dog. So once we got the home, we were like, let's get the dog. And that's, and we just did it. So when you were looking for Odin, was he a rescue? Did you get him as a puppy? So he was a rescue. He has his own story that is just wild. Um, He came to us sight unseen from Atlanta, Georgia. We got him and three days later or five days later, we went to India for two weeks. So he actually did all of his decompression with a friend of ours house sitting in our house, which was completely empty. We had to like buy her a couch because this rescue kind of gave us the sob story of, um, it's a kill shelter. We're really worried. He's going to get adopted out. We don't have a foster. I tried really hard to get them to hold him for two weeks so that when he came into us, we would actually be home. And they were like, if you don't come get this dog now, if we don't send him up in transport, we're afraid he's going to die. And we were like, well, we can't let this dog die. And I'm like, okay, that was number one mistake. Uh, (laughs) Like we can talk about that at four time. But yeah, I mean, he kind of came to us. He was not the dog we were searching for. We just kind of really got sucked in with that sob story. And so that's how we ended up with Odin. We originally were going to adopt like a 13-year-old senior dog as our first because we were like, that'll be good with the cats, chill, like, you know, just kind of give it a nice place to live, fill its life up. And then we ended up with a 10-month-old puppy that we thought was three to five years old per the the rescue. So there's a lot of issues with Odin. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so you had originally strategized with thinking of the cats. Correct. And so you took into account age and energy level. We tried really hard to, correct. And then it did not happen. And then best laid plans, right? Yes. So I was going to say, what surprised you about your pets when they came together? But it seems like the whole thing was a surprise. Everything. Your cats and Odin were living together from the outset an empty house. So I'm assuming there wasn't much management going on. Yeah. what was the
1: situation with your friend there out of the house. How did those two weeks go? So, so what we, it, we did end up locking out that Gulliver had moved with me multiple places before this. So Molly, I was never really worried about. That's like our dopey cat Gulliver. The original cat was sort of the one he had already lived with dog uh, cat and different dogs in previous living situations before my husband and I actually moved in together. So I knew that he could coexist with an animal. I just, I knew he was never going to be friends with them. My expectations were quite low. So we had started with a baby gate at the top. We live in a three story townhome. So it's a finished basement, a middle floor, top floor. And from the get go, we did have the top floor, our sleeping spaces as no dog zone. So I'm sorry, people listening, but like our dog's not sleeping in our bed with us. He's not even in our bedroom with us. And that was all because of from the get-go, we had that management routine kind of in place where the cats had a safe place to go to. Um, The hard part for us, so we ended up with the, the friend who was house sitting for the two weeks. We told her, just keep the dog in the basement. Do not even let the cats and the dog interact. Please don't even try it. Because I did know enough at that point I was more worried about the cat attacking the dog and later learned, oh, just kidding, it's the dog we have to deal with first, um, just because of his reactivity that came as well. So from the get go, we had some management sort of in place.
0: Okay. And so your friend didn't run into any issues because they didn't allow for any interactions with him. Correct. Correct.
1: She kept him so, so separate. And we lucked out that I had a friend who was a dog trainer at the time. So she was guiding a little bit as like a friend, not necessarily full on trainer at that point. So we had a little bit of assistance with that to just know about the decompression time and and respect it.
0: Good. So the decompression time was two-ish weeks while you weren't there. Did you kind of reset the clock once you did come or did you leap into trying to introduce them once you came home?
1: Yeah, so we didn't leap in for sure, just because I knew of Gulliver's past history and it had taken him, you know, several weeks to get used to these dogs that kind of didn't care about him. (laughs) Um, So we didn't jump right into it, but I definitely went too fast. So we kind of immediately opened up the basement door and let the dog have access to both floors. So basement and middle floor still. And honestly, to this day, we still have the safe zone of upstairs is cat zone. It will always be cat zone if we ever move, we have, we've been looking at houses to have a cape, like safe cat zone. So that'll never go away in our household, but I probably shouldn't have let Odin have as much run of the house as quickly. Cause we had just moved in too. I mean, we had moved in maybe three weeks before. So even the cats were still getting used to the house. So I didn't I didn't respect that as much as I should have. Did you run into any
0: issues besides for cat dog stuff once Odin was released? Um,
1: So, I mean, the cats were definitely a lot more stressed out, like they weren't yet calm. So they were also fighting with each other, which would kind of set the dog off a little bit. Um, So, yeah, it was just we did everything wrong, everything.
0: (laughs) So at this point, just for the, you know, initial starting to share space-ish. I'm assuming they didn't have any contact with each other Correct. at that point. They could just hear each other.
1: Yeah. So it kind of was the gate that was there was left over from the previous residence for their children. And so the cats kind of had free reign. They could come and go as they wanted. It was the dog that we were really regulating. So we did put them on leash if the cats were hanging out a lot. The problem that we had is the cats and the dog, all of them were starting to getting to this point where they really trusted us as the humans to protect the space. And so it was either the cats were like, it's fine. The dog's on the leash or the dog was like, it's fine. The cats are behind the gate. But we had to manage every second of that interaction. And it was exhausting because, you know, the cats would randomly show up into the kitchen while I was cooking eggs and I wasn't anticipating it. Um, And part of that is because the gate, I needed it to be an escape route. Because my intention was eventually if the dog was going after the cats, I want them to have a way to get away from him. So I needed that gate to have entrance and exit for them. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't the right gate because then they had entrance and exit whenever they wanted. And I really, really wish that I could have controlled their entrance and exit into the rooms better Mm -hmm. Um, because they flooded the dog system. They were always there because they always wanted to be near me. But, you know, I wasn't managing it. Not well.
0: Yes. Yeah. So, do you feel like they would have been stressed if they didn't have
1: access to you? So yes, I. And it's funny, you know, I I kind of saw it, but I didn't quite realize how much that was going to play a factor in. Gulliver has always been my shadow. I mean, whatever room I'm in, that cat is literally under my feet, and Molly is the same way. I feel like a Disney princess in the sense that I walk around, there's always pets around me. The only problem is all my pets don't like each other, so it's just chaos behind me. Um, But they all very, very much need to be with me. And they all have a little bit of separation anxieties, which I never really thought cats could get. But I am 100% convinced that that is what my cat has. So yeah, that was tough.
0: So if you could do management differently, where there was separation enough that you could anticipate when their actions will happen, the flip side of that would be that someone or someone would not be able to be with you at all times. Do you have any ideas of how you potentially could have worked on it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely wish that I had known about clicker training and all of that with cats um, before Odin ever came into the picture. Like, I wish I had prepped them a little bit more. They now both know place, which is fantastic. Not necessarily always on command, but context-wise, if the antecedent is a certain way, they will run to their place. So that's fine. I'm okay with that. And I wish that I had learned that and taught them that quicker. And I wish that I had implemented a few more gates in the house. So there's one location, you know, we have two big rooms and it's like a little a little hallway and then another big room. I wish that I had let the cats have one of the rooms and Odin had the other room on that first floor because then everybody could have seen us. Mm. And if for some reason a gate had fallen, the cats would still have the fallback of their other secure gate at the top of the stairs. So I definitely wish I had done some of that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, for some animals, the having the visual but not being able to get to the person can be more frustrating. Yeah, but you have to know your own animals. You have to test it out. Um, some of them are at least happy to know that you're there, um, and just kind of walking in and out of each space.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like, I don't know if anybody knows like the flittering game. Like, I almost wish I had played that with my cats a little bit, um, just to have them learn that like they don't need to follow me everywhere and And they are kind of cats, like you were saying, they're cool. As long as they can see me, like now I have all of the cat trees, and they're always at the top on the far end of the room. But they know that they're in the same space, and they're cool with that. I didn't have enough like cat trees. Mm-hmm. I had a bunch of places for them to run to, but I didn't have enough of them. I underestimated how much space they would need.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: game so we can all play? Yeah. Yeah. So the flittering game is really great, especially for dogs. I feel like they pick it up fast. Um, For dogs that just like are kind of under your feet or for my cats, you sort of, you go into a room and they're right there. They're like, what are we doing, mom? Like, like, tell me what's going on. And you just kind of, around the room. You just do stuff. You touch things, you sit down, you, you just kind of hang out until the dog settles or the cat settles. And the second they settle, you kind of get up and you move to the next room and they're like, Oh, where are we going? How are we doing this? Like, let's go. And the idea is that the more you get up and move to the next room, the more the animal kind of just learns, like, you know what, you're doing your thing. I'm just, I'm just going to stay here because they get tired of following you around and you're, you're purposely, kind of doing it in a way where you're like, you don't need to follow me everywhere. I'm going to come back to you because I'm just in this other room doing something. Um, So I wish I had played that game more with all of them.
0: Got it. So just getting used to the normal hustle and bustle of a house that's not so exciting anymore.
1: Exactly. Like they just don't need to be under your feet. They don't need to be like Anxious that you're not coming back, that you will. Everything's cool. We're just moving. I'm just putting putting some mail away. (laughs) Everything's all right.
0: Yeah. And that's a really easy thing for a lot of people to do. You don't have to worry about clickers or treat timing or even setting anything up necessarily. It's Mm -hmm. just actively thinking about what's your daily schedule and can you like turn that up to, you know, in speed (laughs) or intensity a little bit just to get them used to it.
1: Exactly. It's it's really being mindful about using your entrances and exits that timing matters. So like you don't get up and leave and keep moving back and forth too quickly because the dog will kind of get anxious and being like, what room are we in? What's this? It's more of like we go into this room, I'm gonna hang out there for a little bit, you settle. I'm going to leave, you're going to get anxious that I'm leaving. But if you just wait a minute, I'll probably be coming back, you know, so it's a very it's an easy game.
0: Yeah, I like to refer to that as mini absences sometimes. So you're not thinking about I need to leave my dog for 20 minutes because I need to go do something over here. It's really just quick in quick in and outs, getting them used to settling whether it's on cue or not, right? You're out. You're talking about them offering the behavior. Correct.
1: Yeah, sort of capturing that moment that they do it so that you use it intentionally to their calm leave. And then the idea is they're gonna get up and follow you, but eventually you do this with enough rooms over 15 minute time. They're gonna get tired of following you and they're gonna be like, bye, I'll, I'll be here. <laughs> you know that's interesting. Yeah. I've never
0: really thought of it that way. So I'm gonna see if I can, you know, make a protocol out of that it might be really helpful. Do you have something like that?
1: So I've seen it. I wish I remembered the trainer. It was honestly like one of those Facebook posts that I saw on like an enrichment site. And I was like, I love this. And for my household, my pets, it worked great. Like it fit. I could see how some dogs or cats it wouldn't, but for like Odin, especially it's why I can finally like vacuum without him following me. And, um, I think it helped with the cats a little bit once I started using it more intentionally, Mm -hmm. but not as well as it worked with the dog, I will say.
0: Yeah. I mean, every animal is going to respond to different strategies differently. So when you have a multi-species house, it's really important to pinpoint what works well for each animal. And hopefully all of your strategies can work together. (laughs) Hopefully. (laughs) So you talked a little bit about the safety concerns that you ended up having. Initially, you thought the cats would hurt the dog, but then it flipped. Can you talk a little bit about how you were feeling? And that must have been really scary and frustrating.
1: Absolutely. Um, So for context, for people, my dog is an 80-pound Rottweiler, Boxer, American Stafford mix. So he is a very intense animal. Um, he's got the energy of the boxer. Now that he's older, I feel like that little like plodding along cool Roddy's coming out. But the American Stafford Terrier is in there too, where he's really smart, high energy, go, go, go kind of dog. And I he has really high prey drive, like really high. So we've had him for five and a half years. It is still a thing that we work on because he just wants to chase things. It's what he was kind of bred to do with some of those breeds. So I was really kind of amazed. <laughs> at how much and how intensely he wanted to chase the cats. And I, in the beginning, before I became a trainer, could never figure out if it was intention to kill or if it was intention to just play because he also was a dog that would go to daycare for like 10 hours a day and then still come home and want to play. You know, (laughs) he was just like, I love playing. Um, And he's always enjoyed smaller dogs. So I wasn't sure, you know, do you think these cats are dogs or do you think that they're prey? So once that flip happened and I realized, whoa, because I brought them together way too soon, I was like, you are a lot of dog with these cats. It doesn't matter if you're trying to play with them. You're going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. They're 10 pounds. You're 80. That's, that's ridiculous size difference. So yeah, it was really concerning because he was over threshold all the time with them. He would see them and it was it bolt. So that's where that management piece became super important. And I, I still don't think I did enough at the time. Um, because again, if they showed up, all I would hear was a scuffle behind me and all I had done was turn to put the OJ away. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, and it would just be pandemonium in the house. And I, you'd hear hissing and spitting. And I'm like, oh my God, there was so many times that I was like, I'm going to go in and find my cats ripped to pieces. And then of course I walk in and what's the dog standing in the middle of the living room Super alert, like way over a threshold, and the cat sitting calmly on the the stairs, fifteen feet away. But everybody sounds like they're dying, and I'm like, okay. So now you guys are just being ridiculous. <laughs> and so I slowly started to learn that he's over a threshold, but he's not intending to kill them. Which is that was a huge relief off of me because I was like, okay, good. If I do lax, I have I think I have a little wiggle room in case I can't catch something in time. But I still was trying really hard to always catch anything that could happen um, because I didn't know, you know? Yeah. So you kind of lucked out in that,
0: in those management I, fails, yes, kind of quote. I did. That he
1: went after them and no one got hurt. No one was hurt. And honestly, they're all just super vocal. And so it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf in a way because there have been times where I hear this big scuffle and I'm like, I've got a minute. You guys are just being ridiculous again. I'm like, oh, just kidding. This is a bad situation. Those have reduced a lot. But, you know, in the beginning, again, when I was trying to figure all this out. So it's funny because they're all just extremely loud. I mean, my cat will swipe at the dog from 10 feet away and Odin will yelp. So I'm like, (laughs) okay, thankfully, he's actually a little afraid of the world. That's part of his reactivity. Um, And it's just like funny because I'm like, okay, now you guys are just being ridiculous like you're
0: pulling out all the stops and they don't need to be pulled out right now <laughs> there's a lot of posturing going on a lot on. of posturing so I think that's really interesting because you know it the conflict can become ritualized yes do you think that they've kind of come up with those rituals to help each other cope absolutely with each other's presence
1: yeah absolutely I mean it has gotten to the point where It's not like this anymore, but even just a year ago, so even the beginning of the pandemic, for us, COVID was huge. It was the thing I needed to kind of finally manage all of them because I was home. I had lost my job. I was starting a new company. I was home all the time so I could manage them because yeah, it is. I mean, Odin in the evening, when we go to feed him, the one cat, Molly, comes down to the top of the stairs because that's her time to start begging for her dinner. And he has started to kind of like chase her away and and it's to a point where it doesn't matter if she's not there, like if I've closed the basement door and manage the situation, he still searches for her. So there's still very much these rituals that I almost have suspected that Odin enjoys the part of it because he does like to chase and play. Um, where he's like, cat, run. And I'm like, no, cat, don't run. <laughs> I actually accidentally trained him at one point to chase the cats because I was trying to use look at that and all that stuff wrong. And I was like, this is this this is a disaster.
0: Oh my gosh. So
1: tell me a little more about that. Oh my gosh. I, it was, have you ever heard of that, that story of like the dolphin who trained the trainers? No, tell me. Oh my God. So Odin did the same thing. So there was this dolphin that would, you know, do a trick, take a treat. And part of the trick was like to go down to the bottom, retrieve something and bring it back. And so the dolphin was smart enough to like break that thing in half and it would purposely like leave half of it down on the bottom of the pool. Go up, take a piece, get a treat, go down, get the second piece that it had broken, (laughs) bring it up to get another treat. And so Odin, I would capture him when he was not chasing the cats or when he would stop chasing the cats or whatever. And so he would start to chase the cats to stop himself to get the treat. And it took me a long time to realize that that was why he was chasing the cats now is because he was waiting for me to tell him not to. So he's turned it into a parlor trick. Yes. And I was like, you genius. (laughs) (laughs) You're so smart. How do I untrain this? (laughs) Did you figure out a way to do that? I mean, for him, I ended up just not using treats around him or the cats at all. It became just praise. Um, I had to remove food because all of them are very food motivated. And so they would all flood each other's systems when I would start to bring food out for any of them. Um, So yeah, it kind of just got to a point where we worked Odin's stay with distractions and his go to bed. And so it became very much the cats came into the room, you go to your bed, and you only get treats from your bed, you never get it anywhere else, you chase them, you have to go back to your bed, then you have to stay, then you'll get a treat. So I had to kind of implement a little bit of that, like, you don't get a treat unless you work for me. But I don't believe that animals should have to work for love. You know what I mean? But it was very much a we have to have this antecedent of cat in room, you in bed always. And so that was kind of how we managed that instead. We took the movement out of it.
0: I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. So you tried using cookies, which I'm assuming you would then have cats try to get in on the training session, which makes them too close. Yep. Which puts him over threshold, which makes everything was worse.
1: <laughs> yes. Chase, which then I would
0: call back and then he would, yeah. Yeah. So you kind of accidentally train this behavior chain of. Quote unquote, do bad thing, chase cat, go do good thing, go lay on bed, get treat. Everyone does that. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard not to unless you can catch the behavior before it starts every time. Exactly. And
1: that's where, again, my poor management at that time in our in our story was part of it. If I had just managed it better, I don't think we ever would have had the problem. Yeah. He never would have figured out that chasing the cats was an opportunity to get th- redirected. Exactly. Because I should have just never. And that's honestly how we train his prey drive now. So I, I'm grateful for it in the sense that I learned it. I learned it a relatively okay, lucky, safe situation in the house to implement that outside too. I mean, he is just not allowed to chase squirrels. Like, he cannot, for anybody watching the pre principle where like you do something for me, you can go do the thing you want to do. That does not exist in our household because of the dog's personality. And um, I kind of thank the cats for that in the way because I just had to make it that he couldn't interact with them ever. And then he learned to like just ignore them. So now we're great. Like the household is amazing. It's calm and quiet now, but it took a really, it took almost three and a half, four years for us to figure that out. <laughs> so, did you have a different goal
0: at the beginning for them to be able to interact calmly? And then you decided, you know what? They need to just live separately in the same space.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, originally, my expectations, again, were not super high. I was just kind of hoping that. They could coexist in the same space. They never needed to be friends. I never anticipated them like sleeping together. They will never cuddle. Like that is fine with me. One day I want that. But with this grouping of pets, it was never a thing I goal, a goal of mine. Um, But yeah, at some point, even that lower expectation just became, okay, I just need the cats Mm -hmm. to exist safely upstairs and I need the dog to exist safely downstairs. And then if that middle floor, they interact, I need them to just not kill each other like I need the cat to not chase the dog and I need the dog to stop chasing the cat. So it became like everything in our house was very calm. And if the dog was showing signs of going over threshold, then I honestly would bring the cats up. And that's when I started implementing more management, they would get locked in a room. Sorry, guys, you can't come down because I needed them to not be there. You know, Mm -hmm. that's tough. So have you relaxed that management
0: um, since then? What's the new situation?
1: So the new situation is what I originally wanted. They all kind of sleep in the same room I'm in. And this morning I was so excited. Gulliver, again, the cat that sees the dog and hisses at him. Um, Just like it doesn't even matter where the dog is. The cat will just immediately hiss. And that used to get Odin really anxious and nervous and excited and over threshold. And this morning, you know, Odin was eating a bone even. And he just like looked at the cat like, (laughs) Shut up, dude! I went right back to eating, and I was like, "Yes, (laughs) it's so great." Whenever
0: it finally happens, I I mean, I think that's really the goal. You talked about antecedents and context being so important that the only way for your animals to coexist without you needing to micromanage them is to make it clear to them that the behaviors of the other animals are cues for them to do X,
1: something else. Yeah, and I I do want to add in at this point. Both huge hurdles that we made through the cat and dog management, Um, there is chemicals involved. Odin's on fluoxetine and so is Gulliver. I had no idea that both of their behavior issues were as linked to the anxiety that they were having. Gulliver, I think because I had the dog and the reactive dog took so much of our time, I actually think he started developing really bad anxiety, separation anxiety Mm -hmm. from me. Um, is what I suspect. And honestly, he was losing his hair. He had completely lost everything on his belly. He wasn't grooming himself. Again, he's 13. So I was like, is this diabetes? Does he have kidney issues? You know, the vet's giving him steroids. And then we finally realized like, no, this is anxiety and it has to do with the dog, whether it's being away from me or because the dog and him aren't getting along. I'm not really sure but either way, um, the final push was medication for both of them.
0: Yeah. Did you have feelings about that, that he was stressed to the point that
1: he needed meds? You know, I. it's funny because the dog I had absolutely no problem putting on meds once I finally realized that he needed them. And so Odin has been on them for, I guess we put him on about three years after getting him. So Odin's been on it for about two, two and a half years, and I had never considered the cat. Um, it took a while until after like the first dose of steroids and their suspicion that it was like an allergy attack causing him to like overlick himself for me to realize like, actually, now that I know a lot more about reactivity, I think my cat's reactive. I'm like, I don't know that that's a thing. And to be perfectly honest, I have never researched it. But the same stuff that Odin was doing, the cat was doing as well. And he had always been that way. That's why people called him a grumpy cat. So it was just very interesting because... I had to seek a vet out that was actually willing to listen to me that it was anxiety. My original vet was like, no, it's allergies. And I was like, we're going to we're gonna go to a fear-free vet and we're going to see what they say. And that was finally the first vet who listened to me. And so I was happy to put him on phloxetine. The second I could, I was like, yup, take your pill. <laughs> Better living through chemistry. It kind of is. And he was so miserable. And I I really thought it was originally the dog piece, but I really think he had separation anxiety wave from me because the dog and the other cat took away totally much time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad
0: that you found that out and where you found something that works for everyone.
1: Yeah. And so it's so much nicer. I can actually like cook dinner now without pandemonium and chaos happening such a wonderful goal to have reached oh my gosh it is and i will say we've uh, we started place training and that was the next final push so once everybody was on meds and everybody could kind of like hear the world and there wasn't so much static of anxiety happening in their brains we have started to be able to implement a few more food related trainings without them all flooding each other so they're they're learning their name and waiting for their name Mm -hmm. for a treat And now the antecedent has come in where if we're sitting, eating or cooking, the cats and the dog run to their space, and then I will just intermittently throw a treat at them um, to kind of keep them there. So it's been helpful.
0: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, if you're finding that training is just not coming on board, the animals are way over threshold, then it's important to investigate the medical side so that they might actually be able to learn what you're
1: trying to teach them. Absolutely. And I will say that that's where being an OT helped a lot. I mean- Behavior is behavior. So I deal with some of these same sort of reactions and these over explosions in, you know, my patients who have traumatic brain injuries and to see kind of the dog and the cat doing the same thing. It was like, you know what you, you scaffold things. So we call it scaffolding in OT it's shaping in dog training, you know, where you catch that little moment that was good. And then you kind of increase the, the expectations and you know, things like that. I mean, we do that in therapy too. So it was really fascinating. And and a lot of my patients in real life, they don't do better until they're on some chemical assistance. And so for me, if your dog or cat needs it, even if it's a short time, mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Go for it. You so know? you mentioned moving
0: away from food, at least for a period of time. And that praise was your main motivator for everybody. Yes. How did you figure that out that that would work?
1: I think, again, it comes down to that. Like everybody's just like a little attached mm-hmm. to me. Um, And I have always felt that I was one of the resources and triggers because my husband could be in a room with a dog and cat and it was a very different energy than when I'm in the room with a dog and a cat. Hmm. Um, So I think I became a resource. So giving them attention was sort of enough praise for them. And I, it was me figuring out that I'm a resource that they're guarding. And that was the biggest issue came from when I was giving the dog too much attention, or if I was giving the cat too much attention, the other animal species would kind of come in to either also be like, I would like it, but I'm afraid of the other one. Or they'd be like, yo, get away. I want the attention now. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting.
0: Did it cause any tension between you and your husband that there was such a different constellation of behaviors that would happen between the Absolutely.
1: two of you? I was exhausted because, you know, I would look at him and be jealous. Cause I'm like, why do you get the calm pets? Like, why <laughs> does it, when I come in, everything's wild and I I'm tired, you know, like, Even now I come in and it's just got to say hi to the dog first, got to say hi to the cats first, then I can say hi to the husband. So even he's sometimes like, I'm always third on the list. And I'm like, oh my God, I love you so much, but it's just everybody needs everything, you know? So it (laughs) still still sometimes does, you know? Yeah. Because the pets, they don't know how to wait. They don't have that concept, you know? Yeah.
0: You have English that I can explain to you why I'm doing this.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And they're just like, mom's
0: here. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of what I talk to my clients about is the emotional side of it for the humans. Um, you know how stressful it is, Yeah, how it can be that your house is not a place to relax for either you or your animals, and that can really take a toll on you. And so did yes. you have ways to yeah. help
1: yourself through those moments of frustration? So we would try. I mean, a lot of it came from... Just removing the pets from each other, because even that would just like bring me to a state of calm that I could exist. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes I would send Odin off to daycare just so I could spend an afternoon with the cats. I know that's wild, but I did. Mm -hmm. And then on top of it, you know, I I cycle, I ride my bike, I would use my hikes with Odin as a way to kind of calm down because anytime the animals were away from each other, it was instantly calmer. Mm -hmm. And so then you could actually breathe and relax. Um, But for a while there, it was really tough. No, I didn't. I didn't take care of myself the way I should have. So I love that you are teaching people a little bit and encouraging that self-care. I think that's really, really important. And I I didn't. And it affected my mental state a lot. I mean, they did not help a depression period that I was having during that time, too, because it was just constant, constant stimulation.
0: Yeah. These things are not sprints. They're usually
1: marathons. So if you can't rest mm. at all in there, you're going to collapse. Absolutely. And then on top of it, you know, Gulliver was waking me up every two hours for, I look back on it for almost seven years because I, he had anxiety before the dog even showed up. And I'm like, "Cat, I'm so sorry. I feel like I was such a bad pet owner to him. Oh, He probably should have been on meds a long time ago, but he used to just meow all night too. And then daytime was stressful and then nighttime was stressful and then we're good now. But I feel so bad. It took me so long to realize that he was that stressed.
0: Well, you're doing every day the best that you can. Yeah, that's true. Thank you. <laughs>
1: it's just hard, you know?
0: I was um, going to follow up on your hikes with Odin. Yeah. Um, so that's obviously a great enrichment opportunity for you and him to do together. What other things do you do with each animal for enrichment and bonding?
1: Yeah. So Odin, I won't lie, he gets 90% of my attention. Again, it's sort of the size and sort of how explosive some of his reactivity used to be. It's much better now, but in my head, he always has that potential to go back. So for him, I mean, we've done trick training, we've done agility, we do hiking, we do all the enrichment, whether it's the snuffling, the ripping, you know, the tearing, the the, the sniff outs. I mean, Odin, love him to pieces. He knows like everything. <laughs> Um, The cats have been harder to fit in. And I feel really guilty because there will be some weeks where I'm really, really good about giving each cat, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of undivided attention. Um, And some weeks being a small business owner, they just don't get anything but when I'm sleeping and they get to sleep next to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel bad because they're definitely second priority when it comes to enrichment but I've grown catnip for them, and I let the one cat outside. Molly gets a little afraid outdoors. Gulliver, we have a six-foot privacy fence. We just got it redone and reinforced with the intention of letting him go out more because he he did manage to escape over one portion of the fence that was only like two and a half feet tall because of like retaining walls. Mm-hmm. Um, so we fixed that. So I sometimes do let him outdoors just because he loves to kind of hunt and sunbathe and do all that, and um, that really helps. But sometimes increases his anxiety when I can't let him outside. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, trade off. There's always going to be a trade off. Yeah. Yeah. Enrichment is really interesting because you want the cat to do cat things and you want the dog to do dog things. But because you're still controlling when they have access to those things, if you aren't able to give it to them, there might be some frustration.
1: Absolutely. And there is. And it'll sometimes be, you know, Odin's bouncing off the walls needs energy release. And that's the same time that the cat's like, come pet me, mom. And then those will be if we're having explosive or interactions or bad, um, bad juju together, it'll be during those moments where both species is kind of like you, Ma- and only you, mom. Sometimes my husband, it doesn't matter what he tries, they don't want him and they will not accept anything from him has to be me so if they're both trying to beg for it it's like <laughs> what do i do so what do you usually do i mean usually the dog takes precedence i feel really bad but just because mm-hmm. of the size i have to and then the four cats so i'll yeah. try to toss a treat or you know food up for them up at the top of the stairs but yeah usually i'll take the dog to the basement close the basement door and be like sorry guys you have to figure it out for a minute <laughs> prioritization and triage is not something to be ashamed of It happens
0: all the time. And it usually is, I like to think of it as the quote unquote troublemaker, right? It's always going to be that animal that you try to work on first, whether it's unclear who you're supposed to, you know, address, (laughs) just so that you can make sure that as much of the percentage of the problem can be reduced quickly so that you can then follow up with the others. Exactly. Exactly. It's the only (laughs) thing you can do. You can't be in three places at once. Would it be great if we could though? I was actually just talking to my daughter about that, and she had a uh, little pool party opportunities, two of them, a few days ago. And I said, "You have to choose one. You can't be in two parties at once."
1: Oh, what like Yeah, for you. I know. It's fine. You're so popular. <laughs> you have to pick one.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got to learn it
1: early. Oh my god, wouldn't it be nice? we like this is where like millennial me comes out the harry potter the little time turner thing i'm like even that would be okay yeah definitely <laughs> i was gonna say that
0: sci-fi should come into play here like sometimes yeah <laughs> it would be great ah true true right <laughs> i know <laughs> totally de- you'd mess with podcast. time oh man hasn't that book taught you anything <laughs> uh, are we gonna go down the harry potter rabbit hole i love it so much Oh, no, that's a totally separate episode. Um, Maybe we'll do a little bonus nerding out about Harry Potter. Um, So you mentioned the skills that you're now teaching your cats and that Odin knows a lot of stuff. And I'm assuming because you're a trainer, they know more than most animals might know. But which of the behaviors have you realized have been the most useful for the cat dog
1: integration? Yeah, I think place and stay and just like distracted stays where it doesn't matter what's happening, you just keep your cool, has been the biggest thing. Because again, through this whole thing, it's it's all been about the energy levels. If the energy levels are up, we are going to have an explosion. If energy levels are calm, everybody coexists really, really well. So when all the animals are in the same room, we try really hard to either all be laying down, chill, sitting, all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. And if anybody starts to play The other animal gets removed and the animals that are playing can play, but that's it, you know? So if the cats start to tumble together, Odin leaves. We get him out because he cannot handle that.
0: So even at this point, he struggles with that.
1: A little bit because I think he wants to jump Mm -hmm. in on it. (laughs) Um, But he's a little terrified still of the orange cat of Gulliver, our first one. But yeah, so calm, place, stay. Those have been our, our big ones.
0: Yeah, super important. So because this has been a long process for you, Was there kind of a rock bottom where you were like, "Ah, I need to rehome this dog
1: or I'm just unable to handle it? Yeah, I mean, I would say it actually hit at the beginning of the pandemic. Mostly because, again, I said earlier the pandemic was the best thing that happened to us and it was also kind of the worst of it at one point. I mean... Gulliver's anxiety started to increase and Odin had made a lot of progress, but he was still like chasing squirrels. At one point, I thought I was going to have to get hand surgery because he had bolted on something. And so I was like, our walks aren't fun. I lost my job. I don't know about money income. My nights, I'm not getting sleep. It's every two hours. And this has been going on again for like seven years. So I just finally hit that point where I was like, I can't Mm -hmm. function. And I was really, really kind of grateful not to have a job because there were days where I would have to take a three-hour nap in the afternoon because I was just, after three years of dealing with their drama, not getting sleep, and then a pandemic on top of it, that was our low point. And I mean, I won't lie, in December – of what, 2020, we were going to the vet. We were going every week. I was trying to figure out why is my cat looking terrible? Like he looks like he's skinny. I thought we were gonna have to put him down because this is not the fun stuff, but this is where me and my husband were kind of having that really tough decision where he was like, listen, if the cat is keeping you up and affecting your health, like I was going to get labs, my thyroid was acting up. I was like having a lot of medical issues from not sleeping. Um, He was like, at what point do you let the cat's life impact yours this much? He's like, when do we let him go? And I was like, Oh God, you know, it's my cat. He's my original guy. I can't, I can't. Um, And that's where I'm really, really grateful that we figured out the behavior medications because the second he was on phylloxetine for three weeks, the entire household changed. And I was like, what? Like, Thank God we didn't, but I, I wouldn't have judged anybody who would have made that decision at that point because I was at my rock bottom, December of 2020.
0: With the Yeah, for sure. You were dealing with so, so much. So it sounds like getting Gulliver on fluoxetine was when you finally were like, okay, there might be a light at the end of this tunnel.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then for the last eight months, it's just been so much better. And that's one of the things that I have had to tell people too, when they're like, oh, my pets aren't getting together. I'm like, just so you know, it took me five years to figure it out. Five years. And I tried to give them the best life in between. And here's the information I learned, but it's like, it took five years for us to figure this out. Yeah. That's a really, really good thing for people to realize. It takes time. And and, and it, it could have been faster if we had managed better. And I think that if I had considered behavior medications quicker. I was going to say. So, what advice do you have for people <laughs> who are struggling? Yeah. I mean, I think getting someone involved who's like, I wish you had, ex- I wish I had known you three years ago, because I probably would have hired you for several sessions to help me figure this out. So, get a trainer, I think would be awesome. And then also, don't be afraid of some of those management techniques. They feel like an easy way out, but I think that they're super helpful. And don't be afraid to use behavioral medications, even if it's just for a short time, as long as the vet is on board. So I would say, make sure you find the right vet. For us, it was a fear-free vet who specializes in behavior, was finally able to give us the answers we needed. My regular vet has been great for everything else, but when it came to behavior, they were not the fit for us. Um, So finding the correct vet would be really helpful. That's really, really important.
0: I would venture to say that not all trainers know about both cat and dog behavior.
1: They don't. For sure. You're, you're in this amazing niche that anybody who has dogs and cats should be contacting you because honestly, like, I mean, I tried to use what I could that I knew about Odin when I started training with my cats and it wasn't the same thing. And that's why it took us five years. (laughs) I mean, some things definitely translate,
0: but they are different species with different motivations. Exactly. So it's really important to think about them as both individuals and having the species predilections that they have. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't ha- You said a great
0: <laughs> to add there. <laughs> so we talked about people who are already struggling with their animals. Wonderful advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to write that down and plaster it everywhere. <laughs> but do you have advice for people who are thinking about adding another species to their already established home? Like, how should they go about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say flat out really consider energy levels and don't fall for the, the sob story for the species that you don't really want. So like, don't do what I did in the sense that I didn't consider the new dog's behaviors enough because I got wrapped in with the sob story. I really should have stuck to my guns and been like, I'm really sorry that's happening with that dog. You know, I'll reach out to my networks to see if there's a foster up here, but I can't accept that one. Please tell me when you have an older dog. Because yeah. I really, truly believe our household would have been calm if I had stuck to my guns and really stuck to the behaviors and the energy levels that I had originally planned on. Um, so I would tell people just like, don't, don't give in to that. If you know what kind of pet you want, wait for the right pet.
0: Yeah. And you know, some people might not know which is the right pet to be looking for. Yeah. But there are many resources that you can look for. Trainers are a really good option because they've seen a lot of different combinations. I think just asking for some advice would be really helpful for people because trainers, and you can tell me whether you think this too, we like to come into homes where there hasn't been, you know, rash decisions <laughs> being made. It's nice to have someone who's anticipated
1: issues before they came up rather than just trying to fix what yes. has come about. Yes, I agree. And, and I would tell people too, like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter what animal you bring in. There is going to need to be training and management. I don't care how perfect those pets Mm -hmm. are. You're going to need it. And so expect it. And that helps. We didn't anticipate it at all because I knew nothing. And I was an idiot. Mm -hmm. Uh, Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true, right? I mean, even, yes, even if they're perfect
0: angels and they magically just come together even just training and management for enrichment purposes or for just de-stressing like every animal needs a spa or a safe
1: spot, even if they love each other. Yes. Yep. I mean, we'll think about like if your friend came over and stayed with you for two weeks, you're going to be like so excited the first few days. And at some point you're going to look at them and be like, you know what? Do you just want to like go to that room and read a book? And I'll, I just need a couple minutes alone. Like it happens with humans too. So pets are the same way. And and I will say for me, like, I had two cat trees because each cat got a cat tree. Well, now I have six cat trees, and that works so much better. So whatever you think you need, you're probably going to need double that. <laughs> that's wonderful.
0: I think that's really true, right? We think about, like, that one resource that each animal has, but if they have choices, then their lives are so much better. Exactly. Just like we don't want to always be reading the same book every day. It's so-, so I guess my last question before we just kind of go into a general wrap-up, would be now that everyone's getting along pretty well, has there been a recent interaction that was either really surprising from them or funny or something that you wouldn't have expected that they'd be able to do?
1: Yeah, this literally just happened two days ago. I was... Me and Odin have this morning routine where, you know, I make a smoothie. We sit on the couch together and he kind of just like cuddles next to him and gets his little sleep and the cats are usually kind of in and out. You know, Gulliver's usually trying to find out if he can get out through the basement door. Molly is just kind of Molly and just wants to be around. And so Gulliver got, I mean, Odin had gotten off the couch, laid on the ground and Gulliver was doing one of his pass throughs and Odin was head fully down, body completely on his side, eyes big. Gulliver came over and like sniffed his front paw and nobody freaked out. And I was like, (gasps) like, holy, they actually touched each other and sniffed. I mean, this is from a dog and a cat who they can exist right now, five feet away from each other. And that's the closest they had ever gotten. And Gulliver willingly went over and sniffed Odin and Odin just was like, don't move and he did it and it was cool they just left and I was like oh it's happened oh god I'm gonna go eat some ice cream <laughs> like I deserve a reward for that <laughs> positively reinforce yourself that's awesome yeah it was great it was great and lately Odin has just been like gently going up and sniffing Molly's butt and she's cool with it she just kind of hangs there and let him do it and I'm like this is amazing <laughs> amazing Oh, it's so good. And I think um, at one point you and I had chatted, we had a groundhog in our backyard and Odin was like pure hunt mode. I was really grateful. He did not translate any of that onto the cats. I mean, he was outside searching for the groundhog. I mean, he would have killed it if he could have found it. And he came right in and immediately was just like, oh, hey guys, what's up? And just walked right by them. And I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) Amazing. I'm so happy for you. Changes everything. It's
0: amazing how the boundaries of your walls of your house can make a huge difference. Like the cats, I get this question all the time. Like my dog hates the stray cats that live on our street. Maybe. Can he live with other cats? It's like, well, there could be issues, definitely. But you don't trust the strangers on the street nearly as much as you trust the people you live with, right? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So before we wrap up, do you have anything we haven't been able to talk about that you just want to kind of put out there?
1: You know, off the top of my head, I think I'm okay. I think we covered like, so much
0: (laughs) we really did this has been awesome
1: yeah no i mean i would just tell people just just like go slow you know whatever you think you're gonna need you're gonna need double and if you think that you've taken enough time just take more time you know before you make a decision before you introduce them it doesn't really matter just just go slow. Everybody, we always want to rush it. Yeah,
0: we want to see results and we want to receive them quick and we freak out if it doesn't go well. We do.
1: And you know, I think the key is to remember they, especially if you're bringing in like a puppy and a kitten or anything, they have their entire life to build a relationship. Why are we rushing it in the first six months? You know what I mean? I did the same thing. I get it.
0: Yeah, totally. I think that's a perfect way to end. Thank you so, so much, Dawn. I really appreciate it. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you to ask any more specific questions, is there a good way to get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, you could follow me on Instagram at Odin's account, which is kind of Odin and the cats. So it's O-D-I-N underscore P U P. So Odin Pup and reach out, follow us, send <laughs> messages, whatever. Thank you
0: so much. They're awesome to follow, by the way. I've seen really great improvement just while I've been following their Instagram. So I encourage
1: everyone to do that. Thanks, Naomi. It was so fun to chat with you. All right. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. If
0: this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your cats and dogs, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can also follow me on Instagram at praiseworthypets. I'd love to hear your suggestions for who I should interview next. And if your pets aren't getting along and you don't know where to start, go download my free Pets Process Guide, a helpful step-by-step explanation of the process that I use with my own clients when helping them through their coexistence journey. You can get access to the guide by going to praiseworthypets.com guide. That's all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. See you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs we